The world ahead for our kids is really exciting and open, but there's still a lot of areas where we have a lot of blind spots and where we really need to catch up to allow us to raise emotionally healthy, self-confident kids who can show up as their full selves with joy and passion, regardless of the path they take. And this is the stuff that gets me really excited. This is the support, the parenting, the education that I wish that I had growing up and I want for all of our kids to have. So I hope you find it as exciting as I do. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I got a question a few weeks ago. And because my response applies to parenting in so many different scenarios, I knew this is one I had to share on the podcast. But quickly, I do want to mention that I have been getting a lot of questions lately, and I simply cannot get to them all on the podcast, but I hate just leaving them out there. So I've decided to start posting some quicker answers or some multi-part answers on my Instagram account. So this way I can get to people's questions, offer more content for everyone. So I think that'll be a great way to be able to do these, both of these things to get some more uh, additional ideas and guidance. So if you want to follow, you can go to Your Village online on Instagram. So a mom wrote in to me to ask this question and she said, thank you for all your helpful tips and tools. One subject I'm having a hard time finding information on is affection. I have an overly affectionate five-year-old daughter, and I don't necessarily mean overly affectionate with my husband or I, but she's extremely handsy with her peers. We talked about asking others for hugs before taking them. We've explained not everyone likes to be touched, etc. Today, I learned she was sent to timeout for not keeping her hands to herself. Any suggestions regarding this topic would be helpful. So first, I want to go over the short answer just to address the developmental aspect about what we can and should expect for children's abilities to honor physical boundaries at these younger ages, as well as some ways that we can teach this topic. Then I'm gonna dig deeper into the subtext of this because there's some really important things going on under here. Um, Hence why the name of the podcast, why the name of the episode is what message do you want to send when we talk about certain subjects or deal with certain behaviors. So young children are not great at personal space. And I'm sure all you parents of toddlers are nodding your heads. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They are in your face. They are all over you. They don't understand personal space. They get really close to each other. They get right in each other's faces. They're close talkers, right? They touch and hug a lot, some more than others, just like adults. You know, we come into the world and we have certain tendencies and some kids are super affectionate and other kids are not very affectionate. But a lot of kids are pretty comfortable with that. And the good news with this is their peers usually don't care because either they're pretty much the same or they just don't have that awareness about personal space. They just don't really care. They're pretty much on the same wavelength when it comes to personal space. So 
you can and will hear a younger child advocate for their space needs sometimes. So when my twins were at the ages of three and four, my daughter used to love to try to move in on her twin brother's individual playtime. He would be happily building by himself, but she didn't like to play by herself. So she would often try to implant herself into his play. He would set the boundary. I want to play by myself right now. And she would persist. And it was that fine line for me. Do I step in and help him assert his boundaries or do I let this play out and see how they do? Sometimes she would successfully market herself and her ideas and he would agree to play with her. Other times he would be more insistent and I would step in and tell her he has said he doesn't want to play right now. He wants to play alone and that she needs to find something else to do. That was always fun. But here are some ways you can teach about personal space. So we can play games and we can do some teaching around personal space with kids. And a lot of preschools will do this kind of activity, but you can do this at home too. So what you do is you have them put balloons into their shirts. You teach them that the balloon represents their personal bubble. You can also use blow up balls, you know, kind of how far their arms go. Like, and they put it in a circle in front of them and touch their hands. That's their personal bubble. So you can do a ball, you can do a balloon, you kind of blow up and put in there. It's about that same size. And then you want to explain everyone has a personal bubble. So when they've got the ball or the balloon, you can explain like, this is your personal bubble. This is Johnny's personal bubble, or this is my personal bubble. So you need to make space for both bubbles. So it's not just one bubble between people, right? Each person has their own personal space. Each one has a bubble. So They'll walk around and they'll kind of bump into each other with their balloons or their bubbles. But it's a fun way to illustrate the point of how far apart we are when we are honoring both people's personal space or their bubbles. Then when you want to come into someone else's bubble, we need to ask if it's okay or be invited in. Then there's this explanation about family, friends, and strangers and how the bubbles are often different for each. So that bubble is like a friend bubble. Family bubbles are different. Family bubbles are usually closer. Like like my kids don't have to ask to come in and give me a hug. Just come give me a hug. Although I will ask my kids, do you want a hug or can I give you a hug? Or I'll just come up to hug them. And if they're not receptive, it's okay. Although I honestly can't say the last time that's happened. Although they're teens now kind of surprises me. Well, not in front of their friends. My oldest son has finally decided he just wants to be dropped off at school and that's that and there's no hugging. (laughs) So... So in these types of situations with the question, I would have a couple of questions because I'm not getting the full experience. The first question I have is, how are the peers feeling about it? Is the peer or peers advocating for stronger physical boundaries or physical space? Or do they seem to be okay with it? Are they just not even reacting to it? Is it fine? Because this will make a big difference. If the other child or children are asking for more space or saying they don't want to be hugged or touched and then the child persists, then it's time for adult intervention. But if the other children don't mind or don't seem to mind, then it's important to let the kids work it out. And I'm going to talk about three different scenarios and walking through those. In addition, there's a couple more pieces to this. To make this even more convoluted and difficult, there's a lot of talk about body autonomy and respecting boundaries today. And I am 100% for this. It is important to teach. It's important to monitor and guide and coach from both sides, from the side of the child who wants the affection or is looking for the affection and the touch, and from the side of the other child who is the receiver. 
who may or may not be okay with it? And how do we communicate this? And then how do we respect the boundaries of the other person? And this is a process of teaching. Now, if I were having this experience with my child, here's what I would want to see and what I would want to do at home and what I would want the teacher to do in school. So we want to teach kids exactly what I shared about personal space, the personal bubble, what that is. We want to teach children how to advocate for their personal space and that it is okay and that they are allowed to advocate for that. And then we also want to teach kids how to respect that boundary if another person sets the boundary around not wanting to be touched or hugged. We want to teach about verbal and nonverbal cues. Now, the verbal is pretty easy, right? I don't want to hug right now. Please don't touch me. But sometimes it's nonverbal. Not all kids and a lot of adults are not great at verbalizing this and something to work on with your child if they need some guidance and practice. So if your child is not very good at verbalizing, but they give nonverbal cues, you can work with them on doing more verbal cues. But we also want to teach kids to read both. This is really important because nonverbal cues are just as telling. One of the things we talk about in the body positivity, affection positivity community and circles is anything but an emphatic yes means no. And the yes can be verbal or nonverbal. When someone wants to hug you, when someone is engaged in the hug, when they're engaged in the touching, when they're okay with the touching, either verbally or nonverbal cues, you know it. If you touch someone and they pull away or they move away, that's a clear sign. If you hug someone and they go rigid, that's a solid no. And these all have implications for friendships and romantic partnerships throughout childhood and beyond. So these are the foundations that we're setting at the earlier ages, but we're also going to work with them all the way through. So when your child's a teen asking, can I kiss you? No means no, right? The verbal no is no. The pulling away means no. Would you like to go out sometime? No is no. We don't keep persisting. You try to kiss someone and they don't kiss back or they pull away or they turn away or they walk away. That's a no. We don't keep persisting. Getting comfortable saying no and feeling strong in setting our boundaries and not worrying about hurting the other person's feelings or doing something so we don't hurt their feelings is also something we're working on with our kids early on so that when they are teens, they don't feel like they have to say yes because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Because I did that so much growing up. I allowed so much contact I really didn't want because I was more concerned about the feelings of the other person than I was about my own feelings. That is codependent behavior, big time. Now, I'm sure a lot of you can relate, and I'm going to talk about this more towards the end of the episode, but knowing this about yourself, about our own experiences, our own feelings about what we have done in our past, with the messages that we got about, you know, being a people pleaser. And so we may be triggered and jump to the other side, meaning we don't want our child or the other child or children to feel obligated to accept affection like we did. And so oftentimes we will respond based on our own experience and be adamant and overreactive sometimes or overprotective for our own child from a very affectionate playmate or another child if our child is being very affectionate. We kind of jump in there and we're protecting our own inner child right at that point. So... And I know this incident happened at school and I'm not sure if it's a preschool or a kindergarten, 
But either way, because the child's five, so it still could be, you know, the last preschool year or a kindergarten year. But either way, I want to talk about how I would handle it in my home or how I would want a teacher to handle it going forward so that you all understand what a really skilled social, emotional coaching and interaction would look like. So I'm going to talk about it from two scenarios. One, where it seems like the other child or children don't seem to be bothered. And a second, where the child is giving very clear signs, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, that they're not interested in engaging in the affection. Then I'm going to talk about the deeper messages in this that correlates to many other different scenarios and areas of coaching and teaching behaviors and social interactions. So these are some advanced social skills that we're talking about here. Given that kids this young are just starting to master their emotions, and I'm saying starting to master, right? Starting to understand what am I feeling? What is this about? This is the beginning. And that's if they've had some really solid coaching in this area, read some books, done a lot of talking, talked about feelings, been allowed to share feelings, explore feelings, gone through the four-step process that I shared in an episode a month or two ago. It's really important to give our kids grace when it comes to putting all of this into practice, right? Practicing these social skills of even if we've talked about personal space and they're still getting in it, we're going to keep coaching, we're going to keep talking about it. So I'm going to go through this coaching session that I would do, which is really where the rubber hits the road with this, where it really helps to start to help kids to understand. So let's start with it. If there's an obvious disinterest in physical affection, the child says something like, please stop touching me, or I don't want to be touched. I don't want to hug. Or a nonverbal stiffening, pulling away, pulling their hand, putting their hands up to stop the hug, a grimace. You feel pretty confident this child is sending a strong signal. You want to start with the child sending the no. And we just want to share what we observe. So let's say our hugger's name is Stacy and our attempted huggy is Jason. We're going to talk to both kids. We're going to bring them over, pull them aside. If this is in a school situation, that's how I would want a teacher to do it, like a little more semi-privately. Or I'm at home, you know, just pull both kids over. You get down on their level and you check in with a child who seemed to be sending a strong message, something like, Jason, it looks like Stacy wanted to give you a hug, but you put your hands up. I'm thinking maybe you weren't in the mood for a hug right now. Am I correct? Or I saw Stacy try to give you a hug and you said, no, it seems you weren't wanting a hug right then. Is that right? Now, it might look super, super obvious to you, but just you just never know if the kid was swatting at a fly not the hug or if the no was about a friend on the other side in his ear who said, do you want to play this game? Or, hey, look at this. And he said, no. So we, unless it's like 100% really obvious, he's like, I don't want to hug. Stop touching me. It's super obvious. Then you want to check in with a child who's seems to be disinterested in the contact. If it is super clear or the child says that you are correct and that they were not interested in the affection, then we're going to address the affectionate child. So if it's super clear, we're just going to address the affectionate child. If you ask first, clarify, and they say yes, then we're, then we're going to address the affectionate child. We want to say something like, Stacy, hugs are wonderful. We all need hugs. So it's great that you f- so freely enjoy giving them. So we want to let Stacy know that this part of her personality is a wonderful part of her personality, that this is something we don't want her to stop doing, but we're just going to teach her how to use that more effectively in a way that's more respectful. Right. So we want to let her know this is good. This is a good thing. But when our friends are telling us they don't want one, we need to respect that. Jason put up his hand or Jason said, please don't hug me right now. That's a really clear message 
So listening to our friends when they say no is another important way of taking care of them. So what about when the other child doesn't seem to be bothered, but we aren't sure if they're struggling to set boundaries and are just people pleasing or they're super quiet and we think they just aren't comfortable or may not be comfortable and we want to just check in and make sure. How will we handle this? Also, there's a lot of messages we send to children when we handle these discipline exchanges in different ways, and they can have some deep implications. So I want to get to both of these right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back, When one child is really affectionate, but their peers don't appear to be bothered, do we do anything? Do we check in? If both children are obviously interested, they come towards each other with arms wide open, hugging, giggling, always being silly and touchy with each other, it's an obvious sign that it is welcome in both directions. There's no need to advocate or set boundaries around the amount of allowable physical affection between these two kids or multiple kids. But... 
We'll still continue to teach about personal boundaries, that it's okay to set them and how to do so, because these are just important skills we want all of our kids to have. This way, if someone ever does enter their space, they aren't as interested in accepting affection. They have the tools to say no and to say so or to show them that they're not interested. If one child is very affectionate and the other child appears to be lukewarm or unresponsive or doesn't seem to mind and it seems to be ongoing, it's not a bad idea to mention it to the child who is less affectionate, the one who's on the receiving end in a one-on-one conversation. I notice Stacy likes to hug you a lot. You don't seem bothered, but you don't seem excited either. Are you okay with all the hugs and touches? If they say yes, great. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you were feeling okay about it. If it ever feels like too much, it's okay to tell her. And then, of course, if the child says they do mind, or sometimes they mind, then you want to coach about how to let their peer know. And of course, keep coaching each child on the verbal and nonverbal signs. You also could coach them both together, like I said in the beginning, like I shared in the beginning. Now, the deeper piece of this that's really important is that we guide and coach and teach children any lesson about their behavior. It's important to think about what message we want to send. So in, the, in this instance with this girl, and I don't have a lot of the pieces, so there's a lot of things missing. I'm not really sure. But as you probably know by now, I am not a fan of timeouts. It just doesn't teach better behavior. When kids struggle with their emotions or their social skills or both, it's a lack of skill. It's like a timeout for missing a math problem. Well, if they don't know how to add two and three, how is sitting alone for a few minutes going to help them understand how to add two and three? They don't have the skill. They don't know how to put it together. If a child doesn't have the social skills to tune into another child's behavior, to read them and act differently, sitting alone isn't going to help that skill develop either. So in this case, I'm not even sure if the other child gave any indication that they were not interested. And I'm not sure if it wasn't just a teacher deciding the affection was too much and it needed to stop. I'm really not sure what was happening. So I'm wondering what the message this little girl got about her behavior. You know, and I'm wondering what type of conversation may have happened beforehand before she was sent to timeout. If, if he was giving a really solid indication that he wasn't interested, if he was pulling away, if he was saying, please don't touch me, saying no. And if the adult had the conversation with her and said, Jason has asked you to stop touching him twice. You aren't respecting his boundaries. So I need you to separate and go sit over there in the corner and you can try and rejoin the group in a few minutes. But the coaching with the flow mentioned earlier is going to be a way more supportive way, a way more helpful way for the child who's being overly affectionate to learn how to manage this, to walk them through, you know, your friend isn't enjoying this. They're giving a, you know, a really good indication. You know, we need to take care of their feelings in a lot of ways. And this is another way to take care of someone's feelings, listening to their boundaries and respecting them. Right, that's going to stick in more than like, he just doesn't want you to touch him, go over there. So, and we also want to make sure that she understands that this part of her personality really does have a lot of positives. Being affectionate is a really positive thing. But she just needs to learn how to temper it. She needs to learn how to read when people are interested or not in the same amount of touch that she is. And so we really need to coach through that. Otherwise, the lesson just gets lost. If the other child was giving no indication there was an issue whatsoever and she was just reading off of her peer already, like we're hugging or we're hugging each other or I'm just touching and my 
friend is just still talking to me and doesn't seem to be bothered. The message is pretty harsh, right? I'm me as the adult coming in and telling the child, you're too much. Don't be so loving. Don't be so affectionate, even though the friend is not giving any indication of this. And so not only do you as the child need to worry about taking a clue off of your peer, which in this case, maybe she was, with whom you are already connecting, but you also have to behave in a way and to a degree that everyone else who can see you in the room is actually comfortable with. And that sends a really strong message that I'm responsible for the feelings and reactions of everyone else around me. That's a lot of pressure. And that's a lot of responsibility that really isn't any individual's responsibility. Now, if you've ever experienced this as a child yourself, you know how difficult this is. The messages of I'm not enough or I'm too much in this area or that area. The pressure of being someone different than who you are. You're so dramatic. You're too dramatic. You're so sensitive. You're so emotional. You are so stubborn. I heard a lot of those growing up. It puts so much pressure to try to figure out who I'm supposed to be rather than being who I am, but learning how to use that in different scenarios in ways that are acceptable, how to temper my behavior and why that might be an important thing to learn. And then having grace with our child as they work to figure it out and getting better at reading their peers or the situation. So I actually had an epiphany the other day about my upbringing. And that is that I was not allowed to show emotion for the most part and definitely not anything difficult anyway. There was no room for it in my household. Now, my mom was allowed to show really big emotions, but I was not allowed to have emotions. So what I learned was my feelings don't matter. If feelings don't matter, then you learn to keep them to yourself. But keeping them to yourself just builds a lot of resentment. There's a lot of emotions bottling up, right? So then your emotional needs go unmet. So then you just learn to suppress them. You start shoving them down and you'd start to learn to ignore them, right? Because there's no place for them. They have no purpose. They have no place. They only get you in trouble. Now, obviously, this is not a healthy way to deal with emotions. And since emotions are a vital part of our life guidance, all the emotions, without them or without allowing a healthy flow of all of them, we're missing a really important part of our navigation system through life. It tells us where should we be going? Where, what should we be doing? If something doesn't feel good, doesn't feel right, maybe that's not the right thing I should be doing right now, right? Maybe I need to find a different path through my life because I'm not enjoying this. But if you shove it all down, you're just ignoring everything. It can become very unhealthy, very toxic, very stressful to us as we grow into adulthood. So if you've been through anything similar and or this is really resonating with you, hopefully you've already done some work, you've already realized it, you've done some work around it. Or if you're feeling really validated for your experience, this has kind of opened some things up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what happened to me as a kid. Then I hope this message is what you needed to bring awareness of the injustice of your experience. So you can start to allow yourself permission to begin refamiliarizing yourself with your emotions at least, but also with yourself, right? As who you are, how you grew up showing up or how you started to show up in the world, but we're told you shouldn't. As you help, as you also work to help your child stay connected with their true self, whether they're highly persistent or sensitive or affectionate or emotional or dramatic or anything else, helping them be who they are without feeling the need to dull down to make other people more comfortable. We can learn to be respectful and honor others' boundaries without it spilling over into dulling ourselves down consistently all the time or trying to please everyone who might be uncomfortable with the bigger parts of who we are. The truth is those areas where we 
And our kids are highly anything or very anything or overly anything is almost always the strength that we bring. We need more people who are affectionate. The world has a lot of affection-starved people who would welcome a warm and caring person to give them a hug. The world needs more persistent people who won't give up on what they know is right or even when things get hard and they push through. Those people inspire us. The world needs more sensitive people who can see the problem with empathy and find an empathic solution. If you heard a few weeks ago, episode with Dr. Eric Shigela, who discussed creating a school and learning environment that children can see themselves represented in, he talked about empathy as a part of design thinking that they implement in this school process and they teach kids. So in many ways, the world ahead for our kids is really exciting and open, but there's still a lot of areas where we have a lot of blind spots and where we really need to catch up to allow us to raise emotionally healthy, self-confident kids who can show up as their full selves with joy and passion, regardless of the path they take. And this is the stuff that gets me really excited. This is the support, the parenting, the education that I wish that I had growing up and I want for all of our kids to have. So I hope you find it as exciting as I do. Again, I'm answering some of the parenting questions I get sent on my Instagram account at Your Village Online, some quick tips and takeaways. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. It helps the content I share get seen and heard by more parents. I can help more parents and more kids grow up in this amazing way. And my latest podcast, Erin Royer Presents, Minding the Gap is up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's a podcast for adults about adult life and situations who are in the midst of or feeling pulled to make some big changes from both a psychological perspective and a spiritual perspective and the overlap. So if you have checked it out and you've noticed it does say explicit, and the reason is I do swear usually once or twice within an episode. In my daily diet life, I do indulge in an occasional swear word. And so I wanted to use the same type of language and be authentic as I would if I were talking to a friend about these topics. And so if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, I hope you'll check it out. Of course, all 60 parenting classes are on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.